Thank you so much. Let's take our Bibles this morning, and we're going to find Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter number 13 this morning. Appreciate uh, the offertory this morning. It's great to hear the Farbach Trio. Glad to see they've been practicing a little bit <laughs> and proven. Their dad's obviously been working with them. So uh, they keep that up, and eventually they'll really have it. But uh, no, they're fantastic. I really enjoyed that. I'm sure it was good from anywhere, but it was really good from right there. And uh, I, I just enjoyed that uh, special very, very much. And then I thought, okay, now I'll go sing uh, after that. But uh, fantastic. You doing all right this morning? It's great. It's wonderful to be able to be in the Lord's house and to be able to uh, just gather around and be encouraged by these songs. And I, I really enjoyed uh, the singing this morning, especially enjoyed that last song, I Will Follow. That's one of my favorites. I haven't actually heard it or sung it in a little while, so I enjoyed hearing that one again and singing that. And uh, just the opportunity now to be able to take a few moments and look at God's Word and have that be a help to us. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to do that today. And we're uh, thinking a little bit in light still about this whole issue of family. Uh, I have found as I looked over my notes from throughout, through the years of preaching here that I have preached a lot of messages about the family. And I found that I think I've preached more messages about the family than not about the family here anyway. But uh, that's okay. I just about soon preach about the family as, as anything, just about. And I think of families when I think of this church, too. And uh, it's always kind of been that way as far as how I've, I've thought about it. It's always great to meet uh, new folks that I've not, be, not met before. And uh, so that's been great this morning as well. So I know we have guests among us that are new or relatively new, at least. Uh, to the church, and we're glad that you're here and glad that you're part of this service today. Romans chapter 13 is a passage of scripture that talks specifically about the authority of civil government. That's not our specific topic this morning. We're actually going to be taking what is a specific thought and broadening it out to the wider principles that are laid out and applying it uh, to the family and to really any area of our life where authority would be a part. So when you uh, read with me these verses, I'll read them out loud in a moment, but when you're following on and paying attention to these words, I hope you will think in light about family and about uh, your own life and your own heart, and we're just going to ask that God will uh, speak to each of us today and that it will be something that will help us in our lives. So if you've got Romans chapter 13, and you found it, would you stand with me, please? And we're just going to show our public respect for God's word. You can follow along while I read, starting in verse number one. I'll read it out loud. You can follow. The Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. 
But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. It's easy to look around in our lives and see people that are just destroying themselves, isn't it? You see people that are making decision after decision uh, to go after things like uh, alcohol or drug abuse or just a difficult lifestyle and you, you can just see it. You literally can see people disintegrating their lives before your very eyes. Sometimes in meeting so many people, I will run into somebody that without any explanation, it is obvious to me that they have endured a very hard life. And sometimes that may be because of things that were out of our control, but oftentimes it is because of choices in our own making that uh, we put ourselves in those positions. But I have also come to the conclusion through life observation as well as a passage like this this morning that it does not require alcoholism, drug dependency, uh, a life of crime or really bad friendships or really bad uh, home life or really bad part of town, whatever you want to say to it. It does not require all of that to really make your life difficult, to really give yourself a troublesome life. Some things in life are obviously problematic to us and obviously troublesome, and other things are just a little bit more difficult for us to see the danger in them. There is a more subtle danger that we find. In the passage that we read this morning, we read about the idea of the need for respect and submission and obedience to those in authority in our lives. As I said earlier, specifically it's talking about civil government, but I believe that the application can be broader to any area of authority in our lives. And it gives us the motivation that if we are not right with specifically civil government, that we face then what the Bible calls here the sword. Now we don't face the sword literally today, in the time the Bible was written, they did. That would have been one of the, the manners of uh, punishment that would have been meted out on people, would have been death by sword. And certainly whenever you thought of the authority of government, for these people, they would have thought about the Roman soldiers walking around their town with a literal sword by their side. We would say the sword now figuratively, but meaning the teeth of the government, the government's ability to be able to meet out judgment when laws are not fulfilled. So we understand that in the context more broadly of authority, one of the reasons why we are encouraged and how we are encouraged to be obedient and submissive is because there may be consequences we do not want to face. However, it's interesting that in the last verse that we read, the Bible says that we need to be subject not only for wrath, that is, not only for the possibility of punishment that we may come against, but also for conscience sake. Now, that's an interesting observation that the Apostle Paul makes under inspiration. 
saying, look, there's not just a danger of getting in trouble when you are not right with authority in your life. There is also a danger that is internal, that you may damage a spiritual part of you and put you in a place where you are no longer capable of making good, solid judgments in your life. Rebellion is as dangerous as drug abuse. Rebellion is as dangerous as alcoholism. Rebellion is as dangerous as a difficult uh, relationship that might even be abusive or a life of crime. Rebellion is just as bad as all of those, but the dangers are oftentimes much more subtle. When I think about this this morning, I think of just several general illustrations that come to mind. I think about somebody who just goes through their entire life with a rebellious attitude and becomes impossible to get along with other people. I think about somebody who has a know-it-all attitude, and even though they may outwardly seem to comply with those that are over them, they are constantly undermining what has been told them to do, and they completely negate the possibility of any valuable input from others in their lives that would help them. I think about those who get into a pattern of sneaking around in life because they don't care for what the authority tells them, and so they get into a habit of just making things happen, a life of deception on their own. That can extend uh, beyond what might first come to your mind, even into the workplace. And I think of white-collar crime of people who say, I know what we're supposed to do, but it really won't be that big of a deal if I just fudge this here or do this there or take advantage of this opportunity over here. And through that, they make a mess of their lives. Sometimes activity like that or of, a, of rebellion will end up leading a person to some of the other more obvious dangers that we mentioned earlier, like alcohol or drug abuse or relationship problems or issues like that. Or I even think of something as simple as family that gets bent out of shape very quickly and often bounces around from church to church without settling down and putting themselves under another authority structure to gain from that. I'll just tell you that as a preacher and being in a lot of churches, I've seen people make the unwise decision of pulling their family out of a good influence of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church because of a secondary issue that could have been resolved if there simply had been a spirit of submission. And in doing so, have not just endangered their own lives, but have put the lives of their family at risk because they've removed such a good positive influence. What I'm trying to share with you this morning that the concept of submission and living life in right relation to those in a, whether it's those above you or those below you, as we would think about it in authority, that of a lack of submission or of that rebellion is very, very dangerous indeed. Understanding and obeying God's authority structure creates an atmosphere of cooperative success. When applied to the family, if dad and mom understand their place in authority and young people understand their place under authority, 
then that home can be a success because everyone is acting right in God's established order. And the same is true not only in a home, but it's also true in a church, and it is true in a society, a government like this is talking about, and it can be applied to a workplace or in any other functioning body where there of necessity must be an authority structure so that things can uh, exist. It only works right when authority structure is in place properly viewed. Your home, your church, your life only functions properly when authority principles are in play. Now, that's what this passage teaches us. But it also gives us some great, I think, liberating uh, principles of authority and authority structure to help us to see that authority structure is not bad. Authority is not a a good thing and something that will be a help to us. So let's consider several of these. Number one, notice from the passage that it's God that created authority. It's God that created authority and authority structure. Look at verse number one. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. The authorities that be are ordained of God. They say, now, Brother Troy, you're saying that every person who's in authority is uh, doing authority the way God wants it to be done. That's not what I said. But I am saying that anybody in authority is in authority because God has established there to be that authority structure. And that is true because God is the one who established the home, Genesis chapter 2. God is the one who established government, Genesis chapter 6. God is the one who established the church. You see that organizing in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. God is the one who's established these basic components of our society, and that is important for us to remember. Because if you can remember that it is God who has established it, you'll remember that it is good what God has established. Now hold your place here for a moment and go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 is, of course, the story of creation. Genesis chapter 1 is the story of creation. And look at verse number 3. The Bible says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now look at verse number 10. Uh, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called ye seas, and God saw that it was good. Look at verse number 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Look at verse 18. And to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse number 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse number 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So in the Genesis account of creation, 
God made it all, and the repetitive comment is that because God made it, it was So when you get to Romans chapter 13, and the Bible fills in more information and says that authority structure is what is made, then you can assume that it is also good. You see, from our earliest days, we hear words like authority, boss, things like that, obedience, submission, and it conjures up a negative connotation in our mind. Because we think, ooh, that's oppressive, that's bad, that's conflict, that's fight, that's problem. But that's not the way God intended it. God, everything God made was good. And that includes the structure of authority. And if you remember that, it will liberate you in terms of the authority that you find yourself under, as well as the authority that you find yourself in. God created authority. Back in Romans 13, number two, authority is based on position, not ability. Authority is based upon position, not ability. Verse number one says, let every soul be subject unto the higher power. Notice that it doesn't say let every soul be subject unto the smarter powers. Let every soul be subject unto the more powerful powers. Let every soul be subject unto the Bigger powers or the greater powers or the more experienced powers or any of those kind of things. It says, let all be subject unto the higher powers. So the submission that is required within any authority structure is determined not because one person is smarter than another or better than another or more experienced than another, but simply because they have a position that has been given to them. And that's very important to remember when you are in authority. That the authority you have is not because of a great ability that you have. The authority you have is because it's been given to you. And in the area of the home, when you're talking about a dad, when you're talking about a mom, when you're considering these things, you're talking about a position that has been granted to you by God Almighty himself. When you consider the, the, the pastor of a church. Now, the Bible is clear that the pastor is not supposed to act in a high and mighty and, and just wield his authority without any type of concern or care for his flock. That was mentioned this morning, that a pastor is a shepherd. There is care to be taken. But the truth is that the authority that's given to a pastor is authority that's given by Almighty God himself. And the position is what creates the necessity for submission and obedience in our life. And that can then be applied to anything else. You say, well, but a lot, of the, a lot of the structures of authority that we're in are not ones that are specifically mentioned in the Bible. So we have the home, that's in the Bible, sure. And we have the church, that's in the Bible, sure. We have government, that's in the Bible, I get that, but my job's not, not listed there. Okay, but you voluntarily put yourself into that structure. Say, well, I'm not working where I wish I could. I understand there are things in life that maybe aren't exactly the way we want them to be, but for anything to work out properly and to, to be organized and to have success, there has to be that authority structure. So whether it is a job that you go to 
or a team that you put your child on to play sports in, or whatever it is, there's going to be authority structure. And if it's going to work, it has to be looked at to some extent by these very same principles. And that is why it's important to recognize that authority is based upon position, not ability. I have two children. My wife and I have two kids. And they are young adults now, so the way this plays out is a little bit different than it used to. But if you'll think in terms, I, I think it is still true, but it's not handled the same way. But when I think about my kids uh, when they were younger, Abby and Nathan, and if I were to ask you, why should my kids obey me? You might be tempted to say, well, Brother Troy, it's because you are, are bigger than they are. And they should have this fear of you and because you're just huge and they're small and my son is no longer small. He's basically the same size as I am. But back then you could imagine such to say, well, you're bigger than them. But that's not why my kids should obey me. Say, so, well, brother, it's because you're older than they are. You know, it's a clever thing about parents and kids. It almost always seems to work out that way. The parents are older than kids. I don't know if you've ever observed that or not. That's usually how it works. Okay. But that's not the reason why my kids are supposed to obey me. Well, you say what I mean by they're older than you is you're, you're more experienced than they are. Well, that's true. But I will tell you that even at this point in life and, and even when they were kids, they started to have experiences that I had never had. And when their experiences started to outweigh some of the experiences I had, then that might be a little questionable if that were the reason. You say, well, Brother Troy, it's because... You're smarter than they are. You're just out and out more intelligent than your kids. And if that's what you're giving me for a reason today, I just want to stop and thank you <laughs> for your brilliant observation. Uh, it really has nothing to do with, with us being smarter than our kids because, um, you know, it's crazy. We, we have learned so many things in our lives as adults but we've learned so many things that we've forgotten all the things that we used to know. And there are many things that my kids would study all the way through growing up in school, and they would just quote out these things that they had to know for a test, and I'm thinking, did I ever know that? Did I ever learn that? And there were times, even when our kids were smaller, that I would think there was some danger of not being able to win the intelligence battle. Okay? So if that is the basis for your authority, then, um, then you're on shaky ground because that can go away. But when you recognize that what the Bible says here is not, let every soul be subject unto the older powers, or let every soul be subject unto the smarter powers, or the more experienced powers, or the bigger powers, or any of those things, but let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, then you realize that authority is based upon position, not on ability. And, you know, this helps young people. we got a lot of young people in here this morning. You need to realize that there comes a time in life where there is going to be an authority that's over you, and you say, well, I just don't think they are right about this. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. They might not be. But they're still your authority. They're still in that position. And nothing has changed about their position of authority 
and their right to ask you to behave and do a certain way. Because authority is not based upon position, it's based upon ability. And if you are in authority, this is extremely liberating. And I want to tell you when I learned this lesson, okay? I was a counselor at the Bill Rice Ranch. Our camp is the Bill Rice Ranch West Branch up in Williams. The Bill Rice Ranch is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In 1993, back in the last millennium, I went to be a summer counselor at the Bill Rice Ranch. Now, let me just tell you something interesting. This morning I presented to Pastor Henry a photo of him as a counselor at West Branch of the Bill Rice Ranch that very same year, 1993. Did you know that he was that old? Okay. And if you want to see what he looked like back then, you'll have to see if he'll let you look at the picture. Okay. But that was 1993 and I went. And one of the groups that I had in Tennessee in my cabin that year was from Indiana. I still know the youth pastor today. He's a pastor now. And I used to give him a hard time for this story. But that first year, it was my very first week of being a counselor for teen camp. I was 19 years old. At the Bill Rice Ranch in West Branch, you can be a camper as a teenager all the way up to 19 years of age. And that year, uh, very first week that I was a counselor, I had campers in my cabin that were also 19 years of age. In fact, there were two guys who came to camp that week and were joining the military the next week. They were not particularly cooperative, so it was good news they were joining the military, and hopefully they straightened that out. They walked in. I said hello. They said nothing. They walked all the way to the cabin and took the very farthest possible bunk from where I was staying in the cabin. And I got to tell you that they were trouble all week long. They did not cooperate. They did not do what I said. And the youth pastor also stayed in the cabin because it's our philosophy that it helps when there are leaders from the church who also are there at camp with the kids, and it helps make for a better week at camp. So he was in there. So things were under control, largely because the youth pastor took control and made sure that everything was fine with these guys. But as far as my authority... I did not exercise it much at all that week. Fast forward to the next year, 1994. We had our first week of youth camp of that summer, and we were allowed to request a group to be in our cabin if we knew of somebody coming, so I requested this same church. Now, of course, those two particular kids were gone because they were in the military, I assume, or kicked out by then, I don't know. And they were 20, so they couldn't have been campers anyway, and they certainly didn't qualify to be good church counselors. And so you had a different crop, and some of the kids were the same, and I enjoyed the week, and it really was a good week. I have a friend who's a pastor in Indiana now who was a, a 13- or 14-year-old uh, first-time camper at Bill Rice Ranch that week. And, uh, you know, Frank Finney. He was in my cabin that week. And so... That was a great week. And at the end of the week, on Saturday morning, when the group was leaving, the uh, past youth pastor came out to me, and on the sidewalk, right before they loaded their bus and left, he said this to me exactly. He said, Troy, thanks for a great week. And I quote, you are a lot more help this year than you were last year. 
Now, have you ever gotten a compliment that you weren't sure was really a compliment? That was one of them. And I said, thank you? You know, uh, and I've given him a hard time for saying that. But he had every right to say it because he was right. So, well, Brother Troy, what happened between the first year and the second year? Well, obviously, I turned 20. I turned 20 years of age, and now, ta-da, Mr. Authority. That's not what happened. What happened was, thankfully, I realized something between one year to the next, and that is, it was true both years, I just didn't realize it the first year, that I had authority in that cabin, not because I was smart, not because I was old, not because I was cool, because I certainly wasn't. I did not have the authority for any of those reasons. I had the authority in the cabin because the camp gave it to me. My authority was based on my position, not my ability. And I am telling you, we live in a day and time where dads and moms and all sorts of other people in authority do not know what to do with the authority they have because they think it's based on their ability to do the job as opposed to just simply being based on the position that God has given to them. So if God's given you a position, rest in the fact that he's given you the authority to do it. And if you're under authority, rest in the fact that God's given you the authorities that are over you. That can be very, very difficult for people to understand, especially when they have conflict with those in authority. The Bible says here that he is the minister of God to thee for good. Now, we're smart enough to know that not every government official has our best interest at heart. But as far as God's perspective is, the government is there for your good. Um, the family is there for your good. The church is there for your good. And if you will just trust God about it, you can find out that he can overcome the bad that's in it. So authority is based on position, not ability. And then thirdly, we see here this morning that rejecting authority equals rejecting God. Verse number two says, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. You resist the power, the authority, you resist the ordinance of God. You can shorten that. You resist the power, you resist God. And so we learn the principle that if you reject authority, then you are rejecting God. And that makes it very, very important that we be right with those in authority above us. I'm telling you, being a Bill Rice Ranch taught me a lot of things. And I learned this one as a counselor at the Bill Rice Ranch, too. So it's Bill Rice Ranch, old-time story day with Brother Troy, okay? Here's what happened on this one. And I might have told you this before because I enjoy telling it, even though I look like a complete fool in this story. I was a counselor at the Bill Rice Ranch, and one of our jobs was every Friday when we had our camper rodeo that I had to go down to the rodeo arena, like we're building a corral at West Branch, but I went to the rodeo arena at the Bill Rice Ranch and turned on Western music before people arrived so that when they got there, they would hear Western music playing and they would, you know, get into that Western festive mood, okay? So like old cowboy songs and stuff like that. So that was my job to go and turn that on and get that playing. And I had to have that on. I think it was 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I've forgotten now exactly the time, but so much time before it started so that 
basically everybody who got there would hear music as they entered the arena. One particular week of camp, I was given the direction by the gentleman over me. He let me know that I was supposed to get the music playing earlier that week. So we'll just say 20 minutes. So rather than having the music started 20 minutes before the rodeo, I was to have the music playing 40 minutes before the rodeo. Now, let me just tell you that nobody's at the rodeo arena 40 minutes before the rodeo, or 30, or 20, and maybe about 10, that's when they're there. But I was told that I had to turn on the music 40 minutes before the rodeo. And quite frankly, I thought that was dumb. Okay? I thought that was dumb. And I don't know that it's the end of the world that I thought it was dumb, but it wasn't a problem that I said it was dumb. Okay? Now, I didn't tell the person who told me to do it that I thought it was dumb because I'm smarter than that. Okay? Give me a little credit. But I did tell my friend. So my counselor friend, he and I are leaving the uh, auditory or the dining hall there at the Bill Rice Ranch, and we're walking out the dining hall, and there's some stairs that go up. It's actually a two-story two dining hall, and so there's an upstairs and a downstairs, and so you go up there, and they can go up ramps to the second story. So we're going up these stairs, and I said to my friend, you know what? I have to go and turn on the music for the rodeo today 40 minutes early. Now, you might be wondering why I thought it was that dumb. Here's why I thought it was that dumb. Our week of camp that week was deaf camp. I have to go twice as early to turn on music that they can't even hear. Now, don't you think that's dumb, too? Okay, well, that's how I felt about it. And that's what I said about it. And I specifically said, well, I don't know why I have to go and turn on that music. I said this right as I was beginning to ascend these stairs. When all of the sudden, I received an answer. And it came from the voice of God. Who said, and again I quote, I'll tell you why. And I looked up, and there standing on the little balcony of the second floor of the dining hall, leaning on the rail and looking over the edge and hearing what I had said was the director of the camp, Evangelist Bill Rice III. And I will tell you that right then and there, I no longer cared why. <laughs> and I will also guarantee you that I had the music playing 40 five minutes early before that rodeo. Um, when you reject authority, you reject God. And the wasn't the voice of God. It was the voice of Bill Rice III. It sounded like the voice of God to me that day. And I didn't look his direction for two weeks. But <laughs> the point is it might as well have been. Because the Bible says that whosoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Hey, young people in this room, you're not going to hear the voice of God. But you are. Because you're going to hear your parents. 
And your parents have God's authority given to them to help you and to direct you and to, dare I say it, command you. That's God's given position to them. So when they speak, it is as if God is speaking to you. And that's how God looks at it. And it's not just a message or a point to be made to the kids. It's to be made to all of us because when we find ourselves in position and people speak to us in authority, we need to understand that God is given the position of authority to represent him. You say, what if I work at a place and my boss is asking me to do illegal things? Well, God does give you the right to not work there. And that is difficult. I realize there may be things in life that are difficult, but if you believe what God says, and if you are willing to just trust God about what he says, it will liberate you and help you to understand that rejecting authority is rejecting God. And it will help you to take it seriously. By the way, it will help you take it really seriously when you're the one in authority. Because not only is it true that if you uh, reject authority, that you reject God, but if you misuse authority, you misrepresent God. And so it does place a seriousness on us as well. Look, we don't need to live life always feeling that way towards authority because authority is for our good. God made it. And authority is not there because they're brilliant or, or, or wise or lots of experience. They're there because it's a position that they have. And if we reject the authority that God has given to us in our life, we're rejecting God himself. And furthermore, I hope you understand that in the story like I shared, and I shared that on purpose about this silly rodeo music, I went and did it. So you would say, well, you were fine with authority. No, I wasn't. I may have done what I was told, but I did not have the right attitude to accompany what I did. And therefore, there was rebellion in my heart. And to tie this back into what I said at the beginning, that was dangerous. Not just because of the trouble I would get in with Bill Rice III about, but also for conscience sake. And if I allowed myself to continue to not just rebel or disobey, but gripe against the authorities in my life, it hurts my conscience. And it hurts my spiritual life. And it puts me in a place where I'm opening up myself, being removed from God's protections he's placed over me in authority structures. I'm placing myself open for all sorts of danger and all sorts of trouble in my life. I have never drunk alcohol. I have never done drugs. But I am just as capable at destroying my life without any of those vices as anybody who has those vices if I am not careful to make sure that I am right in authority. So let me ask you this morning, where are you at with it? Most people in this room are both in it and under it. So you have two ways to consider it today. And there may be a few that feel like, well, I'm just under, way under. That's all I am is under authority. And that might be true for some of the young people today. But God 
will give you authority one day and you'll be a lot more prepared to live in authority if you are good at living under it first. And so this is for all of us. And I challenge you today to consider structure you're thinking about how am I doing in light of what God has said about authority. Let's bow for prayer.